Things we're keeping in mind when booking flights in 2021 on today's Milonomics Squared podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Sam Simon. And I'm Robert Dwyer. And this is the Milonomics Squared podcast, no annual fee edition on the Milonomics Podcast Network. If you're not subscribed to the full Milonomics Squared podcast, you're missing out on a deeper dive into topics like the following. But first, the news. Did you catch this one? Amex Business Platinum 110,000 offer available through referral. You know we love Amex. We love referrals. I love those referrals, yes. <laughs> and, and welcome bonuses north of 100,000. This is a pretty nice one. Uh, did you see any utility in it? I know most of us have all had this card already. Yeah, yeah. My player two hasn't had it. Whoa! Um, I know. I, I know, know someone who doesn't have this thing. card. <laughs> here's the thing, Robert. I and tell me if you're in the same boat as me. I would be much more excited by a personal platinum right now than a business platinum. How about you? Well, I'd be excited by a hundred thousand points. That's the big thing to go. Uh, that after. is true. That is true. <laughs> right. I mean, think of the relationship you've had with Amex, and you know, if you compare it to Chase, what would you be able to do in the neighborhood of this with a long and storied history with them? You know, you, you've signed for many cards, uh, you and your wife independently, and to really have a, this one out there still available to go for seems like it's a, a, a slam dunk i mean you get the referral for it she signs up for the card one hundred and ten thousand points you got to prioritize this you're right you know what you're right i'm glad we record these shows robert because you know one of the things that uh i guess listeners to our patreon feed are very familiar with our three for all escapades last year uh and some you know some of this year i mean three for all is actually still going on can you believe that yeah um but you know this card in my player two's arsenal uh, is going to really play well with cashing out some of the three-for-all membership rewards through a Schwab cash-out. Wait, how is this going to help with a Schwab cash-out? You, you need to get that card as well, you're saying? Correct. So I'm going to need to get a Schwab card at some point this year for, for my player too. Yeah. But if I do that, if I do that, I'm looking at $1,375 just for the sign-up bonus on this card and then another 30000 on my side for the referral plus the minimum spend. I mean... Even if I carve out the annual fee from the payout of $1,375, it's still a fantastic sign-up bonus on a card, and it's a business card, Robert. So it's not going to affect me in other ways as well, like Chase 524. Yeah. Oh, you convinced me completely. <laughs> well, the welcome bonus is formidable at $15,000 in spend over three months. That's probably something you're thinking about. Um, you, you could probably achieve that knowing, knowing your skills, uh, but... Uh, the the thing I was wondering, and you know, we're saying uh, the personal card, you'd rather have that for the cash out opportunity. I, I like this card for the cash out towards airfare, that 35% rebate that you get when booking flights in business or first class or on the airline of your choice. That has been a dead simple way for me to book airfare. And we'll talk, of course, later in the show more about that. But I wouldn't discount that, especially if you have a good pile of membership rewards over there on our side. Well, I'm interested in hearing more about that from your end. Uh, I think the 25% bonus from from Schwab on a cash out really can't be beat uh, personally. But uh, any other year, maybe I'd be with you on that. I just don't see a lot of travel happening with these points. But like you said, we're going to get into that later in the show for sure. Yeah, one more thing. Uh, MX has hinted at enhancements to the business cards similar to what they did with the personal cards. So yeah, it could be one of those things, maybe wait a little bit. I doubt it's going to go away. You could almost always, I think, get 100,000, but 110,000 stacked with the referral. It's good to see an industry-leading offer be something that's paired with referral. You don't always see that. That's true. That's a great point, Robert. So if I go in on it, we'll update on the show later in a future episode. And if I don't, 
I'm sure there's something else we'll be working on. Like this, Robert. Staples fee-free $200 Visa gift card starting Sunday the 17th and running through Saturday the 23rd. Now, these sales have become pretty regular in the past year, but I, I know that they've also been held over. So, and a nice development in the past year on this, which I don't think we've covered on this show, is that the print ads will usually mention a limit of five now. And so if you've never had luck at your store, if you've had a situation where your store has constantly told you one per person, you've got it in writing now, Robert. <laughs> if you haven't been to a Staples all year because of whatever reasons, this is a great time to get over to Staples and buy these Visa gift cards fee-free, right? Yeah, back to work. I have a lot of Staples near me, and I have not had inventory issues. They have pretty dutifully rolled out stacks of these, and there's multiple uh, locations around, so definitely a good offer. If it's okay, I'll roll into the next one here, an AA JetBlue partnership. I think this was mentioned some time ago, but it became more of a real thing. We started looking at it uh, recently when, I don't know, the, the, the Department of Transportation said, oh, okay, fine, do whatever you want. Uh, but let, let's go through this a little bit because it's very interesting. We have some people who have been shut down by American Airlines who maybe live in a JetBlue hub. Well, that, that would be me. But <laughs> that would be you, yeah. <laughs> so let, let's, let's talk about this. Um, you, you, they say you're going to be able to book a single itinerary on either website. I don't know how great that is, but they're talking about the, the fleet in the Northeast being uh, upgraded, uh, that American is going to fly first class uh, planes with first class cabins out of New York City and Boston, as opposed to some of their regional jets. And so they're kind of giving nice. JetBlue the kind of those more regional routes. They're kind of folding and, and saying, okay, okay, you can have those, uh, but we're going to, everything that we do is going to be uh, a legit, you know, uh, first class cabin jet. So that's, that's, that's cool, I guess. But really what would be interesting later in the year here is these reciprocal loyalty benefits that they're talking about. They're not here yet, but they're saying they're going to come. So you can imagine, as a guy who was shut down by AA, I happen to be uh, JetBlue Mosaic at the moment. The <laughs> irony of me potentially flying on American, say, hey, hey, look at me now. I'm JetBlue Mosaic. You know, I really wish JetBlue would, you know, acquire <laughs> American Airlines and trounce their <laughs> frequent flyer program for, you know, put, put JetBlue's in place. But I don't think that's going to happen anytime. There is a lot of momentum behind that AA program. But something to watch for later in the year. You know, you just never know what kind of merger and acquisition is going to occur or partnership what do you think uh is this a deal or just a big deal and is this paving the way for potentially you know aa and alaska have been you know collaborating quite a bit over the years on and off and more recently alaska uh, trending towards joining one world could this be JetBlue maybe joining one world at some point or would that be gross JetBlue emerging with alaska maybe uh, yeah I, I don't know uh yeah uh, you know, everything's local. We're going to talk more later in the show again about this, Robert, but this is a very, very interesting uh, development for someone like you, you know, shut down by AA on their Advantage program. So your ability to fly an AA flight and maybe credit it to JetBlue, that'd be nice. Uh, your ability to work, use JetBlue points towards an AA flight, that might be nice. Use AA miles to fly uh, JetBlue Mint. That would be wild on, on the chart, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fixed chart. That would be a great one too. Uh, and you live in the hub too. And so you've you've got everything kind of aligning with you. Now on the other coast, you got a guy like me who... Um, <laughs> Well, I, I'm considering a large JetBlue travel bank. I'm not sure that's a great idea, given the track record of you know the 150,000 so odd JetBlue uh, True Blue points that I have now that I haven't been able to get used <laughs> oh, up. And so um, the inertia for me of getting on a JetBlue flight, you know, one thing that I will say right now that I know I'll say later is if something hasn't happened in the past, 
you know, we always say past performance is not an indication of future uh, results, but in some cases it is. And so my ability or inability to get on a JetBlue flight, that's not going to change, I don't think. In the future, <laughs> there's I just a reason don't. why you haven't gotten right. on that plane. Like, yeah. there, there are specific reasons, and it, so it could be anything from, uh, you know, uh, not me, but other people swear to fly like Southwest. They, I need the bags. I got a lot of kids. I need bags. It's a big deal to me to have flexible changes and things like that. That's it. So something is happening in my life that's keeping me off of JetBlue planes. <laughs> And whatever it is, I haven't figured it out yet, but maybe, maybe this is not the deal that I need to get excited about. Um, if it works out for me, it works out for me great. But I, I think I sent you this press release because I was like, this is Robert. This is so him. It's got to be, you know, something news for him to be able to use. And one thing about our show is it's really just us sharing tips to each other. So I'm glad you were able to get excited about this one. Yeah, yeah. And I think some, some broad utility it will be interesting to, to watch this unfold. Uh, you want to get into this main topic? I do. You know, I brought this up uh, personally. You and I talked about this for like an hour yesterday. Um, And it's really the idea that we're going to be booking some flights here in 2021. We're booking into a very different ecosystem. You know, the, the clearest example of that is last year, you and I were like feverishly talking on the podcast early in the year about what's the best way to book so we can cancel something and there's no fee. And we got into all these quirky programs that we liked a couple years back, you know, Turkish has a $25 fee to cancel and, you know, all these weird programs to be able to cancel tickets. And now, you know, it's just, hey, you can cancel tickets and it's because of COVID. So um, we, you know, we were talking yesterday and I was saying, you know, things are very different and we have these habits that we got over a lifetime of travel that are really actually out of out of practice now. You know, the idea that booking into a third-party foreign carrier got us stuck with a lot of miles that were in those third-party foreign carrier programs now. And so our default maybe was those carriers because of their flexible cancellation, but now there's programs that are domestic that have great cancellation policies, and we now have all these instruments that are fractured and in these little buckets. And so there's this whole landscape that we're trying to navigate, I'm trying to navigate, Robert, where I'm trying to book travel for the coming year. I'm trying to figure out the most efficient way to do that. And I have all of these things that I didn't think I would have uh, clanging around. And so there's a lot of constraints on travel in 2021 and 2022 because of the cancellations we saw last year and because of the rule changes that have come up because of COVID as well. That's a fantastic setting of the table for the discussion. And it became front of my mind this week when I was looking at some really affordable airfare for the first half of 2021. A uh, subscriber over on Slack, and in fact, pointed (laughs) me to some JetBlue Mint flights to San Diego for Memorial Day for like $2.99 per person one way. Just mind-bogglingly affordable. And, you know, if I push it even a little bit further, I can see some, some great things to do for April vacation. But is that going to be advisable? Is that going to be possible? Is that going to be enjoyable? Is that going to be something I do? So you see these opportunities here. I think airlines always, you know, when you, they see empty planes and they're, you know, within two, four months, they start, you know, dropping the price on them. And I, we were talking yesterday, this has to be a stress test for the pricing models that airlines use. Because just as we're trying to react to an, a foreign situation to us in terms of booking flights, they're, they're, they're seeing crazy things, at least in, as far as I'm seeing it, I'll look on a route and I'll see a fare of like $19 per person one way. And then the next day or later in that day, just a different time even, I'll see like a $900 fare. Just crazy berserker stuff. <laughs> so I think they're trying to figure it out as much as we are. No, that's a great point. And I would never, first of all, I would never want to be an airline. What's that? Uh, 
if you ever want to go from <laughs> being be an airline. yeah <laughs> i never want to be an airline i think branson or someone said you know if you ever want to go from being a billionaire to a millionaire just buy an airline um and it's it's really a tough business when things are going well but robert imagine right now i made the joke on a few shows ago to book a whole plane and then cancel it right before it takes off i think that that is not like not happening for nefarious reasons it's just happening and so yeah. they have so much they have to try to juggle to fill the plane and then even when the plane is full you know it used to be that if the ticket was sold they could at least fall back on the idea they'd get a a change fee out of it if someone didn't fly in that seat and we talked about it maybe a dozen shows back used to be that the change fee was because they could resell the seat it was we thought change fees were a scam now (laughs) there's no change fee and they can't resell the seat probably so it's you know it's it's moving in opposite directions and it's really really putting a lot of pressure on these airlines but for us I do like the idea of canceling and rebooking um, to capture that. You know, if you're in on that $900 fare, let's not not a $900 fare, Robert. Let's be realistic. You book something for 250, right? And mm-hmm. if you see it the next day, it's at 150. You go ahead and you cancel and rebook, right? But then you're stuck with an instrument. Isn't that the negative of that? Yeah, definitely, right? You've tied up 250 in that ecosystem, and now maybe you can reclaim some of that depending on the program, and then you have a $100 credit clanging around, and when are you going to use that in the future? I think you should take it. You can hopefully find a way to use it in the future, but all <laughs> these programs are created different. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just be kicking the can down the road on these these uh, these travel banks that are all over the place, all over the, the map in terms of the rules that they apply. So really important, I think, to do your homework and be familiar with the programs in your home airport. You know, they're not all the same. Same. They're, some are way more flexible than others. So know what you're getting into before you do some provisional booking, I would say. You know, you see this great thing. Oh, maybe we'll do this for Memorial Day. Well, if you're not going to, make sure it falls back on something that is really as flexible as possible because you don't want a bunch of points or, you know, travel bank tied up in a currency that is uh, has shown a pattern, especially historically, of not being <sighs> consumer friendly, I would say. Uh, that's a great point, Robert. One other thing that, we, as you were saying that, that it reminded me of is, if you really don't want to take the flight, you know, if you want a, a a better day or a different time, you have no choice but to cancel and then rebook. But if you really don't want to take the flight, the best advice I can give anybody listening is do nothing until you absolutely have to. Because flights are changing so dramatically. Robert, I had this flight home from Kauai. I had flights to and from Kauai booked for, for the holiday, the, the winter break. First of all, I couldn't go. But beyond that, the outbound was completely canceled. The route was canceled on me. And the return was changed so many times that it no longer, it became like an 18-hour, two-night red-eye back-to-back <laughs> to go from Kauai to L.A. And so had I knee-jerk reaction called and said, I don't want to go anymore, maybe I'd be on the hook for a travel voucher. But when the airline makes the change, then you can press and say, no, no, I actually want the money back to the credit card. And so you really want to still leverage those schedule changes and they happen and they're happening more ever more than ever. So um, if you don't want to take the flight and you don't have a problem floating the money for a while, that's my best advice there. I think that's a best practice to have. I like that. You know, really pushing for that cash back on the credit card if that's what you're entitled to because of a cancellation, as opposed to just folding and saying, okay, sure, I'll tie it up in your ecosystem forever. There's going to be other things if you're a frequent traveler that get piled into that ecosystem. So don't take the bait and go for the the, the travel bank if you're entitled to a, a cash refund. I like that. Yeah. And, and then getting back to that point, you were talking about travel banks and knowing the um, various restrictions of different travel banks. I think that's really important. And I wish... Things have changed so much in the last year that 
I think it's really important to revisit those. You know, there are a lot of differences between these travel banks. Should we enumerate some of them in general or in specifics? What do you think, Robert? Uh, I, I don't even have my hand on handle on a lot of them. I, I know what JetBlue is like, I think, and I probably don't even have all the bases <laughs> covered on that. Outside of that, you know, I'm at the, the I'm at the whim of you know Delta and whatever they want to do. And we were talking yesterday just about the you know wanting to optimize the redemption of that in the future. I've got these Delta be, uh, credits for four hundred eighty dollars, so I kind of want to find a flight that is around four hundred eighty dollars round trip or something. But then I'll find one that's three hundred, and I was like, well, which currency should I use? And yeah. So th- I start going down the decision tree and maybe start making bad decisions just out of simplicity because I don't want to fracture that up and have that hanging around again more in the future. So that's where my mind is. It's so like, you're saying you'd pay more just to get rid of it, right? Like you'd if <laughs> oh, practically, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can definitely relate to that. You know, I've started thinking in my mind, what's the differential that I'm willing to overlook? to not have to pull cash out of pocket and be able to use an instrument. You know, <laughs> exactly. And I would go as high as 50%, I think, in my head, Robert. And it brings up another point that you and I talked about yesterday, knowing what something is worth to you. You know, like you were talking about the JetBlue and AA partnership. And in my mind, that's noise. You know, it's a lot of noise. And yeah. so if something is is priced at $400, but for me, I can get rid of an instrument that I'm going to think is worth zero. It's a it's a rapidly depreciating asset, which has a, a value of zero when it becomes expired. If the next best option is $300, I'm probably going to still take it. If the next best option is $250, I think I would still book the $400 flight because to me, the value is in getting the travel experience. And then I can spend $250 somewhere else I look at everything as fungible when it comes to money and travel, and I, I'm okay paying more to get rid of these instruments right now because I feel like like at the end of the day, like I said, they are going to be worth nothing. There's a clock ticking on some of them, and that's danger time right there. Well, the great unknown is whether they're going to extend them. You know, I think oh, yeah, there will that's a great be point. more of that going on, right? You know, it, it, until we start seeing the, the vaccine have, have uh, a promise and, and meaningfully start knocking down cases, I think reasonable airlines are going to push things out. So you don't want to do something too crazy here too early on. But at the same time, I, the, the whole thing, I think, in my mind started here when we started seeing these potentially really attractive fares about four to six months out. Are, are they worth jumping on? And so where my mind went was, okay, if I want to do something provisionally there, how should I pay for those such that if I don't take that flight, how am I going to get back uh, into a favorable position uh, for myself? <laughs> I mean, you're speaking my language here, Robert. A great example is a Southwest travel bank that I funded at the end of last year. And I funded it for a small amount of money. And it's not really enough to fly most routes that Southwest flies. So then if I want to use that travel bank, I'm going to bring more money off the, you know, out of pocket to book the ticket. Well, then if I cancel that ticket, I've now doubled up on the money that I've given Southwest and I haven't gotten rid of any of, you know, it's like you keep throwing good money after bad to try to get out of this travel bank. And so uh, it's it, it really is something to keep in mind. You know, how do you get out of these things? How do we get out of them? If travel looks like it's going to happen, but then be canceled again, I hope that they will keep allowing flexible policies to to go uh, and move forward. But at some point, you know, the cash grab for them might become too hard to pass up the ability to take that money, legally take that money and say, you know what, look, we've given you guys every opportunity. These are just funds that are going to expire. I mean, they're not running charities and they've been super, super lenient in the last year. 
Yeah. Well, you want to get into those priorities a little bit? I, I created a list here of the things in my mind are of are the currencies that you might reasonably pay for a flight with. And <laughs> I, I bet you have some in mind that I just didn't uh, catch when I first, you know, scratched them down here. So I, we, we've been talking about it so much. Travel banks, and not just travel banks, but uh, expiring certificates. I think I had some grievance with American Airlines when I was still part of their program. They gave me some type of expiring voucher for like $100. <laughs> it's, it's sitting on my desk here. And I'm like, I got to use that at some point, I think. I don't know. Can I even use it? I'm not part of their program. I don't know. Find a way to use it. It's kind of like a gift card, but it expires. And I think it actually has expired. I, I don't know if they aren't, they held to that date. But the point being, I think the number one thing when you're looking to book a flight to get rid of first is the a travel bank or a, some type of expiring certificate that you've got with an airline. Because no matter what, you have to get rid of that before anything else because it is going to spoil. What do you think? Yes. Is that, the, is that no. the number one way to go? I absolutely agree. And I, and I would challenge everybody listening to come up with a number in their head that they're willing to pay. Like upstream, I mentioned, how much more are you willing to pay to get rid of that thing? And I, I think there is a utility in doing that. I mean, I have famously been dealing with this Alaska Airlines travel credit, Robert, that it is a zombie at this point. I mean, it has died, come back <laughs> from the dead, been splintered off into you know credits that are tied to specific travelers at this point, and then you know tickets that were canceled due to COVID with restored value that then they canceled on me. And uh, I mean, it's it will not die. And so it is the number one thing that I am looking to use more than anything else. I can get to Hawaii any other way probably, but I'm going to do it with this travel certificate because I have to. I just have to get out of it. So yes, I agree. That's the number one way. The number one thing is uh, anything that's expiring uh, that uh, you know is a, uh, a travel bank or a certificate. Yep. All right. Going All right, so the next item on the list. Yeah. I, let, let, let me see if you agree with this one. And I, don't, I, I probably even missed just using airline miles head on, but I said airline miles that expire even with activity. And I was I'm haunted by this Singapore Airlines uh, miles. <laughs> they have three years of expiration. Even if you have activity in the program, you book it with the best of intentions. Something gets canceled or changed with an unacceptable schedule change out from underneath you. I don't know what they've been doing in terms of extending the expiry of their miles. I haven't heard great things, to be honest. So, gosh, it's always dicey to tra transfer into a program like that that you only use in these kind of like, you know, freak occurrences. They're not, there's not everyday wide open availability on United yeah. from, you know, Boston to LA or Boston to Hawaii or something like that. And and so you're just getting into a very, very specific use program. And that, that's what happened to me. And I got really right down close to the, the wire there and I didn't have any way to extend it. And I was able to take some flight, but it wasn't a great one. So I don't know if there's a lot of other programs out there that are behaving that way and what Singapore has been doing specifically, but that would be my next thing to go after if I was going to book some flights. What do you think about that one? I think that more and more people are going to be in the same boat, though, Robert, because, you know, you think about it. Look, we are like notorious for 330 days out, you know, booking that premium cabin international award. Well, 330 days out, you know, for some people in the COVID situation could have been like May of 2019. And yeah. so you could have booked something in May of 2019 with Ooh. every intention to fly it. And COVID comes around and you have to cancel it. And now you're sitting on a bucket load of miles that you haven't looked at in two years almost that you have to make a decision on what to do. And the program has changed. The terms have changed. The award charts have changed. The, 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 the partners have changed. The airlines that fly those routes have changed. You know, I mean, so much can change in two years of travel without an, an, a, a, a pandemic. And you have this pandemic here. You know, you you just you could be in a situation where you have these miles that had a singular utility, 
Now there's no use at all. And you were making a great point when we talked yesterday. You, you said, reminded about uh, demand schedule and vacation windows. You know, I'm looking at an April vacation <laughs> yes. to Italy that I had booked for 2020. I'm going to kick the can down the road in 2021. I can't very well move it to uh, summer or fall. It just doesn't work with all of our constraints. So I'm going to be looking to move it to April of 2022, which is going to require me to cancel this year and then rebook it. <laughs> and uh, just like you're saying, underneath me, the Aeroplan program has changed. I'm going to need to put more money after the bad money. Yes, that's a great point. It it all comes to a head there. Thankfully, I think Aeroplan's program is a little bit more forgiving. But think about that. How long ago did I make that transfer from Amex to Aeroplan? And I mean, that's really, it was a year out before that first thing. So if I was in a, a Singapore kind of situation, three-year expiry, I would be at risk. It's really, really frustrating. Yeah. And, and I think that it's really not talked, it's not being talked about enough because it's, yes, there's this, you know, you can cancel whatever you need to cancel. The airlines are being extremely generous. But like you said, Robert, at some point that's going to end and we're going to be stuck with big pools of points in programs that are seasonal for us. All right, the next one here, and we're talking about bank points. And, um, you know, I think that it's important to use bank points before you use cash whenever it makes sense. I think that that's important. We have seen, a, a, like, all of, in all cases, Robert, we've seen a suspension of the rules here. And we used to say, oh, really, never cash out at Ultimate Reward. You want to get as much value as you can out of the Ultimate Reward travel portal. I mean, we've written posts on it and taken them to task about their never available uh, vacation rentals. And here they've actually decided on a whole new travel portal in the meantime uh, that they're going to go a different direction with. And you and I have decided, you know, we don't even need your travel portal because you've given us pay yourself back. But that's not the kind of bank point I'm talking about. I'm talking about bank points that don't have a good path into cash. And there are a lot of really funky ones out there. And HSBC? <laughs> yes, you know. And uh, I've gotten caught. You know, we, yeah, it's, oh, I knew you are going to say it. And we both have gotten caught with our hand a little bit in the cookie jar where, you know, the initial, <laughs> oh, this is such a great opportunity. And there's this group think in the entire community of, oh, there's so much value here. And yes, there can be value there. And then you and I both, I think, fall into this, Robert, where we go, well, the outsized value is $875. And so I need to make sure I get as close to $875 as I can, or I'm leaving money. I'm, I'm losing money. And I'm not losing money, obviously. I'm losing money if the points expire, or if I get nothing from them, uh, or if I spend a bunch of cash along the way. I should have taken a modest redemption for some of these bank points that I am sitting on still, waiting for that cherry, that perfect top-end, you know, once-in-a-lifetime unicorn redemption. And so I think it's important, again, to get them off the books at a reasonable level and just be able to sleep at night knowing I didn't get the maximum value maybe for them. Yeah, that that, uh, carrot out there of the big redemption stops you from creating a redemption at all. I mean, wasn't that the deal with uh, SPG or Alaska Miles? You sit on them forever, wait to fly Emirates first, and that redemption comes and goes. You're like, oh, I actually never flew Emirates first. What happened with that? But I was thinking, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, I got a lot of thoughts. The HSBC card, I could have spent a annual, uh, paid another annual fee, kept that card around just to make a redemption at some point. But I wanted to do something to get those points off the book and close that card and get out of the program. So there's that angle to it. Another angle is the complexity of cancellation when you have booked with bank points. I mean, dealing, you know, bare metal directly with an airline is advisable, I think. But I got myself into a situation here where I could potentially have booked with uh, with HSBC or CNB. I actually had that situation as well. You go to cancel the flight and then you're dealing with the travel desk and they're asking what your credit card number is. And you're like, I threw that card away six months ago. <laughs> yeah, what are you talking right, about? Yeah. Like, we can't do anything unless you give us the credit. 
credit card number. So keep that in mind before you throw away your credit cards. Yeah, you might need to keep that card around until you're absolutely done with it and have not. You know, the value comes not when you earn the points. The value comes when you redeem the points. But the, the real value doesn't come until you actually take the flights or stay at the hotel that you booked with those points. Until the wheels are up, like you said, on that flight to <laughs> Japan. Right, Robert? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. That leads us to the least uh, sexy and the most important of these, cash, right? Absolutely. We, did you know that? I think we made this joke on the show many times. Did you know you can buy airline tickets with money, with cash? I mean, like it's so foreign to us, but sometimes it really is the best move, right? Yeah, no, and with a lot of the cash outs that we've talked about this year, hopefully you're sitting on a bigger pile of cash than you started with. Uh, you know, more, more cash, hopefully, unless currencies that are tied up and have single use, you know, are not fungible. So, yeah, I, I would put those at the bottom and, and really conserve that position, really defend that position, and try to use all these other things before you get down to that that bottom line. But uh, what I really think about it though is, so many of the trips uh, you, you were saying, you, 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 how much would you pay more to get rid of a currency? It's impossible to not be influenced by all these expiring currencies and say, oh, yeah, look at this Delta flight. We always wanted to fly Delta. And I practically start bending uh -huh. a trip around that. Like, oh, uh -huh. the Delta flies this route. And then I start, you know, oh, I'm going to stay at this Expedia hotel. Look, it's VIP access. I mean, this is exactly the trip <laughs> I always wanted to take. Include <laughs> all these expiring currencies. But you can avoid that. And, and, and it, when you step back to cash, I actually don't have as much pressure to even take these trips. Right? Like, yeah. it's like yeah. oh, you know, well, right, I'll get my cash summer, back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, maybe maybe we go. Maybe we won't. You know, we'll, we'll go if it's if it's favorable, but with all these expiring currencies, or maybe not even just expiring currencies, um, outsized value that is going to be diminished after a certain point. Those VIP access hotels, January 31st, they're, they're going to be worth a lot less than they were before. So psychologically, I'm very motivated to do something because yeah. the value of those points is going to be cut in half. $1,000 to 500 times two accounts. Super important. $1,000 loss, right? So I got to do something. But you know, if, if, if at the end of the day, there's a lot of stuff associated with a trip that isn't just the hotel you're staying at. So I'm going to try to avoid the temptation of, of yeah. wrapping around this ridiculous trip. That's all these stunt bookings based on things that are going down to value. Oh, I, I like that tip. And I've been bitten by it in this way, Robert. You know, I mentioned at the top of the show that airlines are changing things and that you can use that to get out. But when you really want to take the flight, you know, you and I, our history has always been take the perfectly timed flight nonstop as, you know, direct point to point. We don't care who's flying. We want to be on the plane and off the plane. And then you book it. And the time changes. It's no longer a 3 p.m. <laughs> flight. It's an 11 p.m. flight. And oh, Absolutely. they added a stop in. And you know, and then you go, what the? now I'm stuck. You know, now I'm stuck. And cash, you can go wherever you want to go. All these other instruments, you don't get that luxury. You know, if, if Alaska had made me take that flight, or if uh, Turkish had made me take that flight, you know, uh, with with Turkish miles, with the two red eyes and overnighting in San Francisco and all of that. I'd be stuck because what's my other option? Nothing. I can't book any other carrier of the six that fly that route with Turkish miles. I'm stuck on United. And so um, I think flexibility is key as always. And that would be my closing statement on this is to be as flexible as you can be. Well, what about you, Robert? You want to close this out with a final thought? Yeah, absolutely. It's a unique time in the game. Look at this with fresh eyes. Don't feel bad if you let go what seems to be a tremendous deal. And there's always another great deal right around the corner. That's a great point. Well, thank you for joining us this week. For a more in-depth discussion about points and miles, visit us at patreon.com slash milonomics. There you get a special link to listen to additional content right in your mobile podcast app or on your computer where we speak more freely about topics like these. And as always, you can reach us on Twitter. I'm at Milenomics and Robert is at Robert Dwyer. We'd love to hear from you. Until then, we'll see you on the site.